Come on, why don't you grab a seat, grab a seat. It's great to be with you this morning. And can we put our hands together for your pastors? And I know my pastors, Sam and Kathy, love them. And it's just been a privilege to be a part of what you guys are doing. And uh, things are in good hands, three camps back to back. And so this is really just the final session of camp, right? And so uh, we need a, some energy in the room. And uh, we're going to get through this. God's going to do something. Uh, uh, you know, as Pastor Adam said, my name is Scott. I've got a beautiful wife in Auckland and a very ugly dog. Uh, and I know already a bunch of you in the room are like, oh, he's from Auckland. <laughs> I feel that. Okay, I get that. All right, I didn't grow up in Auckland, so forgive me. All right, the Lord called me there. And so I grew up in the Coromandel Peninsula. Uh, yeah, and then I had to give up the luxury of that and follow the call of Jesus. But we love what we're doing. We love the pastors we get to serve and what we get to be a part of. But um, I want to pray for us this morning. Is that cool? Yeah. When you close your eyes, God, we come to you. We love you. We lean into you. We pray this morning you'd speak to us. This morning you'd, Lord, even just open our hearts to understand a little bit more about you, who you've called us to be. And God, you'd help us to take the next step closer, Lord, to living out this life that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, everyone set. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. It's found in Mark. It's found in Mark 3, uh, verse 1 to 5. And it starts like this. It says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man was there with a shriveled hand. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Now, before I read the rest of this passage to you, there's a couple of things you do need to understand about what's going on. First of all, it talks about how, how Jesus walked into the synagogue. Now, the synagogue and the time in the Jewish culture was like the, the gathering of the religious people. The relig religious leaders would be there. The teachers of the law would be there. The Pharisees would be there. People would gather in the synagogue. It was a religious gathering of people. I guess the easiest way to kind of put context to it for our time was, was kind of like the church in a way, when people would come together. A bit of a different belief system, but there was a gathering of the people. So Jesus walks into this environment, and a man with a shriveled hand is there. Now, the thing with the shriveled hand is, uh, in the time in the Jewish belief, what they believed is if you had a defect in your life, so you had a shriveled hand, you blinded, or you're deaf, or you're crippled, if, if there's something wrong with you physically, it's because there's something wrong with you spiritually. They believed that uh, the physical was just an outworking of the spiritual. And so what they believed was that you had a defect because you had sinned, or your father or mother had sinned, or your grandparents had sinned, and it's manifesting in your life. And so what would happen is the man with the shriveled hand would generally, in a synagogue, more than likely cover up the defect. He would, he would cover up, and he wouldn't probably be in a place of honor. He'd probably be in the, in the corner of the synagogue. And so you got a man with a shriveled hand covering up, sitting in the church, sitting in the synagogue. Now, it's incredible that even kind of this still plays out sometimes today. That, that in the street, it's amazing, people would lay the sick out in front of God. In the street, people would lay the sick out in front of Jesus. But in the church, they would hide. In the church, they would cover up. In the church, they would just, we put on our Sunday best. And we step into this. Throughout the week, there's stuff going on. Oh, but it's church today. I better get nice and I better get neat for Jesus. But Jesus walks into the room on the Sabbath. Now, there's another problem with the story is the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath, you, there's a lot of rules around the Sabbath. 
One of the rules is you're not allowed to complete anything. You're not allowed to complete anything on the Sabbath. In fact, a couple of years ago, I got to talk to a, a Jewish rabbi. And, uh, you know, just asking some questions. And one of the questions I was asking around is, what does the Sabbath look like for you? What does it look like for you today? A lot of Jewish people will hold to the principle, but not every rule of the Sabbath these days. Uh, but for those who want to hold tightly to the Sabbath, what they'll do is because you can't complete anything. So you turn on a light switch in your house, you completed a current. So on the Sabbath, you can't turn on your lights. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if you if you want to hold to the Sabbath, that's that. Like if you want to get real on the rules, that's what it means. And so soon I was like, well, what do you do? Sit all day in the dark. And, and what happens is nowadays, if the Jewish people want to hold tightly to the Sabbath, they set their house up on timers. Because it can happen, you just can't do it. So they're holding, like, wake up in the morning, lights turn on. I'm like, that sounds kind of good. <laughs> there's some things we need to bring back. <laughs> but there's the, the, in the Sabbath where the rules say you can't heal. But then the story goes on and says this, Jesus uh, watched him closely to see if he'd heal on the Sabbath. And it says, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is more lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at the stubbornness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and it was completely healed. What I love about this story is if you think about the context of the time, for the religious people in the room, in the synagogue, they would have been thinking the problem with the room is the man in the corner. The problem in the room is the sin and the sickness that's hiding in the corner. But Jesus walks into the room and says, I can deal with the sin. I can work on the sickness. But what distressed the heart of Jesus was the stubbornness. The stubbornness. God can work on my sin. God can heal my sickness. But my stubbornness is what distresses him. And Jesus walks into a room and just breaks the rules. That's what I love about God. He just walks into a place and breaks the rules. You can't do that. Well, watch me do that. God walked into your life and broke some rules. You know, I, I had a, a, a friend growing up. In fact, it was a lot of work, but I managed to make a friend. Um, I thought you'd be more excited for me. But at the age of 16, I had a friend in youth ministry who uh, came along to this camp with us. I was sharing this with some of your teenagers. Uh, and he comes along this camp, and uh, he had been blind since the age of three in one eye, but God healed him at this camp. It was incredible. God just broke the rules, healed, healed his eye like that. They said, you never see again. Heals out. Left eye healed like that. What happened, how it came about, though, is uh, he was responding to an altar call, and uh, as he's responding to the altar call, he, he falls over on the ground and hits the ground. Now, you know he didn't grow up in church, because if you grew up in church, you know you fall backwards, right? <laughs> Who falls forward? I say he falls forward under the power of God. And then he just jumps back to his feet. That's another reason you know he didn't grow up in church. Because, you know, at least two minutes to make it look like it was God. The longer you're down, the more holy it is. And so he hits the ground, jumps to his feet, and his eye is healed. It's incredible. The problem is now he has to go home and explain to his mom and dad what just happened. Right? They don't believe in God, and they're not interested in believing in God. So he has to turn up. He's asking us on the way home, what do I say to mom? What do I say to dad? We're like, I don't know. Good luck. And we drop him off. And he kind of explains it to his family, explains it to his sister, he explains it to some friends in his world. And then about seven months later, I'm sitting on a school bus, and his sister's on the bus with a group of her friends. 
Now they're trying to, they're trying to and the conversation comes up about her, her brother's eye. And so they're trying to put rationale to this. They're trying to explain a miracle without involving God. Because God went and broke the rules, and so they're trying to make sense of what happened. And uh, I grew up in the 90s, all right? I was a kid in the 90s, and you know I was a kid in the 90s. This is how someone describes something from happening. I tell the whole story, the falling over, the hitting on the ground, and jumping to her feet. And the explanation they come up with, her, this friend comes up with, what must have happened? I didn't go to the smartest school, all right? You're about to find that out. They're, they're, what they came up with was when he was walking and he fell over under the power of God and he hit the ground, what must have happened? There must have been a nerve in his brain that reconnected in that moment to his eye, and then he could see again. Now, you know you grew up in the 90s when a whack around the head fixed everything. <laughs> like, I, I grew up with a dad, man, like, TV's broken, just hit it. Computer's playing up, just whack it. Kids are in trouble, just... I grew up in a church where in a time where a whack around the head fixed every problem. And then you find these guys trying to explain a miracle. But sometimes you can't explain what God is doing. Because God just breaks the rules. Sometimes you just can't explain it. There's things that God wants to do when he breaks the rules. He wants to break the rules of what's possible for this church. Break the rules. But the crazy thing is, and the thing that guts me about the whole story that I didn't share this part at camp, the crazy thing about the story is, God dealt with his sickness. God dealt with his sin. But three years later, he walks away from God. You would think you would wake up in the morning and open your eyes, and the reality of God would be known in your heart. He had let God in on his sickness, let God in on his sin. But there were some things in his life where the stubbornness of his heart was robbing him from what God was wanting to do. The stubbornness. And that's like, for, I know it's been like that for me. God, have my sin. God, heal my sickness. But then in my stubbornness, I hold God hostage to my stubbornness. I restrict God in my life according to my stubbornness. Jesus walks into a synagogue and wants to heal a man, but the stubbornness of the room is trying to restrict what Jesus is wanting to do. All of us are more stubborn than we want to admit. We're stubborn about it. I, I, I never became more aware of how stubborn I was until I got married. Before I got married, I didn't think I was stubborn. I just thought I was right about everything. I was, it was a good world, world to live in. When we got married, in fact, my, my wife started calling me out on my stubbornness. Now, I was stubborn about my stubbornness. In fact, she'd say, you're being stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm not stubborn. I'm just sure I'm right. <laughs> and she's like, that's what stubbornness is. <laughs> and it took me a while to realize how stubborn we can be. Sometimes we don't realize, even with God, how stubborn we can be. You can have my sin. You can have my sickness. You can bless my bank account. But God, there's some things. Hey, I got a rule around that. I got a rule around that. We get stubborn about this, the silliest things. Like when we first got married, I, I remember for me a big thing was, for me the peanut butter lives in the pantry. 
It lives in a, for my wife, though, it lived in the fridge. Well, what's wrong with you? Who did I marry? You know, like, it did not come up in pre-marriage. But, you know, <laughs> for me, because for me, the morning's hard enough. Without getting up in the morning trying to fight my way through the peanut butter, rip my bread as I try and spread it I need my peanut butter smooth. My peanut, for me, my wife doesn't even remember it. Doesn't even remember. For me, it's like a trophy. It's like the only argument I've ever won. That like every morning I get up, I open the pantry, I see the peanut butter there. I'm like, that's right. We won that one. Stubborn about the silliest of things. And we don't realize how the silly little stubborn things in our life are actually restricting what God's wanting to do. See, i got no problems with God breaking the rules. Like for my friend, no problems with God breaking the rules on what the doctors had said. Not a problem with that. i got no problems with God breaking the rules on what's possible for the church. i got no problems with God breaking the rules on what's possible for my life. The Bible lays out story upon story how God took people and broke the rules. The world said one thing, but God had another thing to say. And I've got no problems with God breaking the rules. I just don't like it when God breaks my rules. Like you ever turned up to a friend's house to play cards? And your agreement about the game you want to play, but they've got their own rules? And it's like a standoff, like, whose rules are we playing? And then it's their house, so you play by their rules. You lose, and you blame the rules. The stupid rules. You know? <laughs> we play by my rules, be a different game. And we, we set up rules in our world. And then every now and again, God walks into the synagogue of our life. Says, hey, I need to break this rule. Because this rule is holding me hostage. With what I want to do in your world. And he didn't care about the sick. He didn't care about the sick one. He was distressed at the stubborn one. I pray when God looks down on us, he's not distressed at our stubbornness. At our stubbornness. You know, we set up rules around different things. Different experiences set up rules for us. I mean, when I first uh, finished high school, I went into the trades, became a cabinet maker. That's what first of my trades and, and uh, man like I came off the back of a summer camp before I went into work and I was pumped I was like I am going to be Ryan Hardbonke to the trades all right watch out building site I'm coming with Jesus you know like I was young I was passionate I was pumped up I was like we're going to see a revival take place and I turn up to work on my first day and 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 my boss comes up to me on my first day uh, and, he walks, and he goes, hey, how was your weekend? I said, the weekend was great. You know, I did this on Saturday. I said, I went to church on Sunday. He, he stopped me when I said I went to church on Sunday. He said, don't ever talk about church around here. I was like, oh, okay. Not really the plan I had. But it set up a rule in my life. I wasn't aware of it in the moment, but it set up a rule. I didn't talk about God at work. I don't talk about Jesus to my colleagues. God belongs in the church, but I don't talk about God here. I don't pray for people here. I don't do anything. It set up a rule in my world. God broke this rule a couple years later when I made a mistake. 
I had a, a, a pastor from our, who he leads our, our, our location in the Philippines come, come out to New Zealand. And uh, he's passionate, man. He's like crazy guy. And, uh, he, you know, he's just all in for Jesus. And uh, he just wants to let everybody know about the revival that's taking place in Manila. Like, that's what he talks about all the time. I'm like, can we just have another conversation? You know? <laughs> but he's just like relentless. Anyway, he comes out and he wants to go. He wants to go tramping, and so we take him on this hike. My boss is into hiking, so he comes along with us. Now there's too many of us to fit in one car, so I put Pastor John in the car with my boss. I make a mistake and I forget to tell Pastor John, "Hey, my boss has a rule. <laughs> we don't talk about church." Anyway, we go on. The weekend happens. I get back to work on a Monday, and at, at lunchtime we're um, we're sitting down and we're having a meal, and he turns to me and goes, "I think." That guy thought I was part of your church. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he said, the whole way is just talking about a revival taking place in Manila. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then he stopped me and he goes, man, it sounds really awesome, your church. And then we open up this discussion and break something open in, 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 our, in our relationship. And we talk about God. I've shared the gospel. I've explained God. He's donated things to the church. He's all for what we do. He's all about what we do. He hasn't given his life for Jesus, but man, his heart is, is, is behind what we do. It's incredible. But for two years, I remained silent. Two years, I didn't open my mouth. Not just to him, I didn't open my mouth to anybody at work. Because of an experience that happened, it shut me down because I set up a rule. And then I became stubborn in my rule. And so I didn't even hear that God the whole time was trying to tell me. Why? Because I was stubborn. I was stubborn. Jesus came back. And what he came and was talking to the Jewish people and the religious leaders. But they were so entrenched in their own belief and their own rules that they wouldn't even hear what God was trying to tell them. The Sabbath that originally was given to them by God for their good, but they became so entrenched in their rules that they didn't even give God permission to speak back into it. God will say some things for a season. But then sometimes we entrench ourselves in what God said in the last season. That we don't listen to what God's trying to say in this season. Because sometimes God just comes and breaks the rules. Breaks the rules. But God wants to break your rules. Like I said, I, I want God to break the rules through my life. But if that's ever going to happen, I've got to let God break the rules in my life. The things I've set up. There's, we set up rules around all sorts of things. Some things we set up rules around is, we set up rules around our personalities. I don't have the personality for that. I couldn't do that. I don't have that personality. We set up a rule. Now, I'm not saying just throw your personality out the window. You are who God's created you to be. But there's times when God comes in and says, no, we just got to break that rule. Does Jesus have the freedom to walk into your life and break the rules he wants? Or your rules holding him hostage. Because there's times throughout the Bible where he'd turn up to people. Turn up to Gideon. I want to use your life. I'm oh, sorry, I'm too weak for that. I don't have the personality for that. I said, I want to break that. You know, God shows up. Come on. And for some of you, you got rules. I don't share about God to people. I leave that to the crazy personalities. You know, the wide-eyed people who are a little bit too crazy for Jesus. You know, I don't have the personality for that. And we box ourselves in based on our personality. We, we set up rules around our age. 
I'm too young for that. I'm too old for that. There's three days when you're 27, when you're the right age for everything. Either side of that, you're too young or you're too old. <laughs> and so you've got to let God break the rules. You're not too old. You're not too young. We set up rules around our routines. Like we put routines in place for our benefit, but then our routines become rules. And we become stubborn in our routines. And then God comes and says, hey, I think you should lead a connect group. But that doesn't fit in my routines. But does God have the freedom to speak into your routine? To break your rules? For me, I've I got a rule. Now, we don't have kids yet. So when I get home from work on a Monday, like, I just need an hour, all right? <laughs> I got a rule. Just, I just need an hour to me. Switch off. For those with kids, I know you take that 10 minutes before you get home and you pull the car over and you go, you got that. For me, I'm like, I don't need anything disrupting that hour. It's my hour. I get home about uh, a couple of weeks ago. I sit on the couch and I look out the window and I see a guy glazing. Like I said, I once had a rule. I didn't talk to tradesmen about God, but that rule got broken. So now it's, I don't have a problem. And I feel God say in my heart, go talk to that guy. And I'm like, oh God, it's the hour. Like I've been doing your work all day long. Why don't you do it before the hour? And then in my heart, I'm like, I'm a pastor. It's part of his job description to listen to God. So I better go. I walk out. I walk up to the guy. Hey, man. Like, no idea where the conversation was going to go. The spirit just stopped. Hey, go talk to him. Go talk to him. Some of you have felt those promptings before. But you've got rules around your shyness. God prompts something in your heart. Hey, go do this with it. But you've got rules. I'm not that kind of person. Can you let God break some rules? For me, I walk out, I sit, we open up a conversation, we start talking, and, and I, I find out, uh, he talks about what he's been up to, and then he asks what I'm doing, I, exp I talk to him about church and stuff, and, he go, and I go to him, you ever had a church background? He's like, yeah, it's crazy, actually. As a kid and a teenager, I was part of a church, part of a youth ministry, you know, but I've fallen away from God. He's about 30 now, it's, it's been, been about 11 years since I've been in church. The crazy thing is three weeks ago, I was sitting on my couch on a Sunday thinking, man, I, God, I, I want to reconnect with you. And then his cousin rings him up to come and ask, ask him to come and work in Auckland for three weeks to help him with his glazing company. And he just happens to be glazing next to my house where God says, I think you should go talk to that guy. My little rule could have stopped what God was trying to do. It's not the big rules we need to break. Because most of you are well-meaning Christians. You break those rules. But it's the little rules you're stubborn about. The little rules. The little rules. I go back inside and I say, God, I'm starting my hour again. <laughs> I just want to ask you this morning, what rules does God need to break in your world? Where have you set up rules? We set up rules. The, the ones I've been talking about are the easy ones to break. We set our rules around our failures. Things go wrong, we try something that doesn't work, and in your heart you say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to try that again. You've tried to launch a business initiative, it didn't go the way you thought you were going to go, so now you, in your heart you're like, I'm not going to take that risk again. Well, God's knocking on your door saying, come on, there's a business in your heart. But you set up a rule now. 
We set out rules on bad experiences. Some of you had terrible small group experiences, right? Then your heart, you're like, I ain't going back there again. You set up a rule based off an experience. But God's like, no, you need to get in relationship. You need to get in connection. You need to get in discipleship. It's the rule that's holding you back. For me, one of the biggest ones I had to break recently was I set up a rule around a disappointment. For me, since I've been saved, I've been praying for my family. I come from a family where my mother loves Jesus. She's a bit of a Jesus freak. There's trauma in your life when you have a mother who is a Jesus freak, right? It's not cool to hide scriptures in their lunchbox, right? That ain't cool. I used to eat the scripture before my friends would find it. Consumed a lot of scripture in my time. But the rest of my family didn't. The rest of my family didn't. My father and my brother are different ones, far from God. In fact, there's a situation in our family which for 13 years we've been praying that breaks open. And there's been moments where it's like, God, you're moving. And I've rejoiced and I've celebrated, but it hasn't come through. Because of the emotional roller coaster and the disappointment, mother rings me the other day and explains a situation where it sounds like it's coming together for us. But in my heart, something said, don't get your hopes up. I set rules around my hope to protect myself from the disappointment. You don't set up rules out of bad motives. Sometimes you set up rules for your own safety, your own protection. But if our God come to me and say, no, get your hopes up. Break the rule. Get your hopes up. Because if you don't get your hopes up, you can't get your faith up. Because faith is the evidence of what we hope for. So get your hopes up. So I'm going to get my hopes up about my family. I'm going to get my hopes up. We set up rules around where we've been hurt. We set up rules in the way we relate. In our relationships. I'm not just that, I'm not that open with people. That's not my, that's not, that's not how I do relationships. Well, what if God's saying, can I let's break that? See, our rules and how we praise Him. I grew up in a bit of a conservative kind of church. We didn't praise God very expressively. Just clapping in time was a, a big celebration point for us. I joined Equipus Church and everyone's jumping around. Like, what is this? I don't praise God like that. I said, no, break that rule. That rule's limiting your experience for me. All of us, there's things in our life. We need to let God break the rules. In order for God to break the rules in your life, there needs to be a humility to allow God to be God. There needs to be a teachability to acknowledge that your rules might not be right. And I need God to break them. And there needs to be a faith because if God's going to break rules, He's going to push you to where you don't want to go and where you don't know how to be. But the faith of God enables you to break the rules. God's going to break the rules through your life, but He has to break the rules in your life. Come on, why don't we jump to our feet this morning? Just for a moment, why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads. We thank you in this place, God. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Even as I've been talking, you've been speaking. You've been identifying things in our lives, in our hearts, where we've set up rules. 
like I said, not because of bad motives, but we've set up rules. And we've become entrenched and we've become stubborn. But God, even this morning, your spirit's coming and is saying, hey, I need to break that. Jesus is walking into the synagogue of your life and saying, look, I'm, I'm working on your sickness. I've healed your sin. But it's your stubbornness that's restricting me. And I need you to break this open. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just identifying the people, even right now, where there's been a rule in your life that's restricting God. Let's not be stubborn. God wants to lead us to green pastures. Green pastures. So if that's you, you just identify. Come on, there's, you identify there's an area of stubbornness in your own heart. You're saying, God, I acknowledge it, and I ask you to come in, give me the faith to break it open. Why don't you just lift your hands out in front of you and right where you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're speaking. We come to you with a humility in our heart. We also come to you teachable. God, we pray, Lord, that you'd come, Lord, and you'd enable us. You'd give us the faith, Lord, to break some rules. God, I thank you for the rules you're wanting to break through us. Lord, where people have said one thing, God, you're going to bring about another thing. You're going to use people in this room to break the rules, change the status quo in their world. But this morning, God, we come to you. Say, God, we give you permission to walk into our life and break our rules. Break our rules, Jesus. Break our rules. Amen.